0: Today we have a guest speaker who's going to be opening God's Word for us, and I have the honor of introducing him and his family. Um, Aaron Jagger and his wife Jen here um, are going to be, uh, Aaron's going to be preaching from God's Word this morning, and Suzanne and I have known Aaron and Jen for 11 years now at least, and uh, their boys are here, Abe, Asher, and uh, Max, and so we're glad to have him here and, and for him to open God's Word. Aaron was, uh, I knew him as a seminary intern when I was going to seminary at the time. We both went to seminary at Grand Rapids Theological and now the Lord is using him as a chaplain at Bronson Hospital in Kalamazoo. So we're glad to have you, Aaron and Jen, and your family. So thank you for being here. Well, good morning. As Travis said, um, we've known each other for, I guess it's probably about 11 years, yeah. And, um, and so it's a real joy for me to be here um, in this place today. I'm glad uh, for Travis and Suzanne and their family to find you all in this congregation, and I'm glad for you all to have them here. And um, we've known them for a long time and really cherish their friendship, and so it's a real joy and a privilege to be here today. Uh, thank you to uh, Pastor Gary for uh, letting me uh, come up today and, um, and preach and share God's Word with you. It's a great privilege. Um, as Travis said, uh, we did Uh, do our internships at the same time. Um, I was in seminary a little bit um, further on than he was when we met. And since that time, I've had a couple different ministry uh, things that I've done. So uh, associate pastor in a church for a while. And now for the last three years, I've been a chaplain at Bronson Hospital in Kalamazoo. And so when I have opportunities to come and preach, I really cherish that. And so I'm thankful for this opportunity today. One of the things we're going to talk about today is something that hopefully is precious to you, it's precious to me, and that's the gospel and what that is and what it means. Um, Before we do that, let's pray together. Lord God, we come before you now and we ask for your spirit to be with us. Lord Jesus, you said that when you leave You would not leave us as orphans, Lord, but you would send your Spirit to be with us. And we thank you, Lord, that that promise that you made 2,000 years ago is true today, that we are not alone, and that you are with us through the presence of your Holy Spirit. And so we pray today that as we hear the word, Lord, that our hearts would be transformed and changed, that we be more in the likeness of Jesus, our Savior and Lord. We ask, Lord, for the needs in this room, Lord, whatever they may be, only you know them. And I pray that today, as your word is spoken, that it would penetrate the hearts and the minds of everyone here. Soften our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to start off with a, a little quiz. I hope you're okay with that. I know it's summertime and kids probably hear that and they think, oh, no, you know. This is summer vacation. We don't want to be doing any quizzes right now. But um, if you know the answer, go ahead and, and, you know, speak it out, okay? Now, what is this? A helical thread which is wrapped around a cylinder. A screw. Yep. That's right, a screw. Okay. What is made of nitrogen, argon, carbon dioxide, water, and oxygen? It's the air that we breathe, yes, the atmosphere. Okay. What is photons traveling in an electromagnetic wave? Light. And what is made of sand, soda ash, dolomite, limestone, and salt cake? Glass. So these are all things which, you know, those are kind of technical descriptions. But really what, they, what I described were very simple things. Essential things. If you look around this building... Where would we be without those things? Obviously, without air, we can't live. You know, without screws, I guess you could work on this building with nails, but be more difficult. Without glass, you know, we wouldn't have windows. On a day like today, it wouldn't be that bad, but this past winter, it was terrible, right? Without glass um, and without these other things, it would be difficult. And obviously, without light. Where would it be? So these are things that are very simple, but yet essential. And most of the time, we just take them for granted, that they're just there. And and really, we can't live without the things that I talked about in the day that we live in. And I think sometimes the case is true also of the gospel. When we talk about the gospel something that is simple in what it is. It's essential, and often we take it for granted. And my goal for myself and for all of you is that you would love and cherish the gospel more today as you leave. And so I want to begin by looking at a passage of scripture in uh, 1 Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Corinthians fifteen one through 6, should be on the screen there, if, that's, uh, if you can put that up, okay, if not, then just follow along if, as I read or in the, the Bibles that you have. Okay. This is 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 6. It says, Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word that I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. Then Paul who is writing this letter, goes on to say what he's talking about. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the Twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still Allah still living though some have fallen asleep then he appeared to James then to all the pro- the apostles and last of all he appeared also to me as to one who was abnormally born so we have Paul presenting to us the message that he passed on to the Corinthians which he described as the gospel now, before I go on, I want to make a distinction. Sometimes when you hear that word gospel, I don't, I don't know what your mind goes to. Maybe you think, well, that's talking about the first four books in the New Testament when, when we're saying the gospel. The first four books in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are called the gospels, is true, meaning the description of the life of Jesus. Okay, And so we do use that term when we're talking about those first four books. Today I want to refer to the gospel as the succinct message of salvation that God has presented through the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. And so that's why I wanted to start off with this passage from 1 Corinthians 15, because Paul is saying this is this is what I preached to you this is the message that I brought to you this is the gospel meaning good news comes from a Greek word which means good news so he's saying this is the message which is good and I'm presenting it to you and I think that a lot of times when when we hear about the gospel, sometimes we think about it as something like life insurance. Now, I'm not an insurance agent. Maybe there are some here. So you can go through the ins and outs of what life insurance is about. But essentially what it is, is, is something that you buy or pay toward. And it's just there just in case. Okay? And you don't, Get it cashed in until you die. Sometimes I think we look at the gospel, the the message of Christ's death, burial, resurrection, ascension, as life insurance. We believed it once, maybe long ago, maybe recently. But really, we don't get to, in a sense, cash it in until we die. Between now and then, the gospel doesn't really affect us. It it isn't important to us on a day-to-day basis. And I want to draw our attention today that that is not the case, that the gospel is essential to us every day, every hour. Whether we did receive Christ as the Lord of our life, the forgiver of our sins, many years ago. The gospel is essential for us every day and precious. So we looked at what Paul said. And now I want to go to a passage in Acts, in Acts 3, and we're going to look at this a little more in depth. In Acts 3, verses 1 through 10, this is... Peter and John going to the temple. And they meet a lame man on the way in. And Peter says to this man, I don't have silver or gold to give to you, but what I do have, I do give. And in the name of Jesus, the man is healed. And so on the heels of that, we have what happens in 11 through 20. And let's read that together. Now, while the beggar held on to Peter and John, so this happened in the temple courts, all the people were astonished, and they came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. And when Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by your own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham... Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. Now you handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him by, before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one, and asked for a murderer to be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this. By faith, In the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Christ would suffer. Repent, then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that the times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. So we have here people coming to Peter and John, and Peter articulates the message of the gospel in a very similar way that we heard Paul talk about. Um, but we're going to look at uh, some of the, the key things that he talks about here. And I think that the place that we need to always start is that the gospel is about the glory of God, that it's about God being glorified. In verse 13, it says, the God of our fathers has glorified his servant Jesus. So God the Father... has glorified Jesus through what he did. He came, lived a perfect, sinless life, went to the cross. He bore the sin of all those who would receive him and believe on him, and he rose again. And Peter says that God the Father has done this to glorify jesus and i think that this is so essential for us to to begin in this place to know that the gospel the life death resurrection of jesus was done to bring glory to him jesus going to the cross was primarily about him being glorified that we would make much of him that in our receiving of Him, He would be glorified, and in Second Corinthians four four, it talks about the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, saying right in that text that the gospel is about the glory of Christ. This is important because we want to we want to begin by realizing and, and recognizing that you know what the gospel. Yes, the effects of it, when we receive it, are for us and our benefit. But the purpose of it all was that God would be glorified and how much more through the wonderful thing which Jesus did. If you think about who we are and how, how we are in the world, there are certain things that define us. You know, it may be a marriage. It may be your children. It may be something that, you know, achievement that you, that you had. Um, people like, what defined Neil Armstrong? Go ahead and say it. He walked on the moon. Yeah. What about Martin Luther? What, what was the defining moment for him? The 95 Theses. This is for um, anybody who is a baseball buff. How about Don Larson? Does anyone know this one? Right. He pitched a perfect game in the 1956 World Series. Defining moment. Okay. And so these things that happen in life, you can say you go back to that event. Say that's what defines me or defines you. If we look back at the life of Christ, defining moment is the death and the resurrection. These are defining moments for who Christ is. The gospel is about God and His work and it will forever define Him. And God wanted it that way. God wants it that way. I think that if you or I had a plan, how would we do this? How would, how would we put together history? We'd probably have a different way of doing it, but... Praise God, we're not in charge. That God is the one who has a plan. And he chose, in sending Christ, that this would be the defining moment of the life of Christ, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, and also the defining moment for the universe, that all things before and after are defined by that as well. And it's the same always with Jesus, that it's about him and his glory, that that's what the gospel is. Secondly, the gospel is about the power of God. The power of God. In, in verse 16, it says, by, the name, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It's in Jesus' name and faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. There's power in the gospel through faith in Jesus Christ. It's not a magical saying. We don't utter the name of Jesus as if it's a magical incantation that makes things happen. It's by faith in the person and the work of Jesus that that man was healed. The power of God is primarily the power to save. And secondarily, in this passage, the power to heal. The power to save from our sins. And the question is, where has that power touched your life? There's an old song that says, there's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Has that power gripped your life Power like we've never seen before. We were out on the the break wall last night and I looked at these huge blocks of stone and you can see these marks in there where they were drilled in. And some sort of explosive was put in there so that these chunks of stone were able to be separated and cut to certain forms and then put out there as a breaker for these huge waves and ice. What power that would take to do that. Think about the power that it takes to take away sin. If you think about your own life, if I think about my own life, and I think, wow, that sin, it's, it entangles me and it has such power. And yet through the gospel, through belief in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, the power of Christ comes and blows that away. Has taken away the effects of the sin on an eternal perspective. And day by day, sanctifies us to be more like Jesus the power to save and in this case the power to heal the primary primary effect is much more than the healing of our bodies which will die one day this man that was healed here he's not living in bodily form today But, if he received Christ and the gospel, then he is living in glory with Jesus. And that's really what the primary effect for us is of the gospel. And if we look at verse 19, what a sweet, sweet verse it is. Peter says to all those listening, he says, Repent then, and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that the times of refreshing may come from the Lord. The gospel is also about our salvation and our joy. About our salvation and our joy. And in this, it's it's similar to what Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians 15. Peter says, Earlier on, He says that, you know, you acted in ignorance by causing Jesus to suffer and die. It was your ignorance. You, d- you didn't know. And on some level, that's true. You know, sometimes we can perhaps do sin and we don't understand fully what, what it is. But in another sense, we know that the sin of Adam is carried throughout history to every one of us that that sin is always there and has been so we like those who put Christ on the cross sometimes act in ignorance and sin and peter says here he says repent and turn to god repent you're going this way turn to god turn the other direction do an about face I don't know if anybody here has a a military background, but that's what I imagine troops marching, and they say, you know, do an about-face, where you're going to turn around and go the other direction. That's what Peter is saying. He's saying, repent then, turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, the primary effect of receiving the gospel of Jesus, that our sins would be wiped out, This is why the gospel is always relevant for us. Because in receiving Christ, we are made righteous in that moment when we receive Christ in the eyes of God. And yet, we still struggle with sin. So, how does the gospel play into that every day? Well, It's really something that, and I'm I'm glad that I'm here today because one of the things that I have appreciated from uh, my time of knowing Travis is him talking about preaching the gospel to yourself. Preaching the gospel to myself. And what does that mean? It means that when I get irritable or impatient, with my kids we're hiking a couple days ago and it's tough you know I love you buddy I love you guys <laughs> but sometimes you know daddy gets he wants to be doing something different I don't want to stop here and I don't want to have to do this thing we want to keep going and, and the gospel for me in those moments is Christ that's not what I want to be That's not who I want to be. I want to be a father that reflects you more in this moment. I need you now. I need the effects and the power of the cross, the resurrection in my life right now. And you can insert whatever thing you struggled with, maybe this morning or last night or last week, Receive the good news of the gospel again in those moments. Believing that God sees us as righteous through the finished work of Christ and at the same time, the power of the gospel transforming us to become more like him, sanctifying us, making us new, turning to God, This past week, I, in the hospital, just had this amazing experience of this gentleman who is in his 70s and had this event that happened, and he called out to God, and God answered him. Someone came and helped him, and then someone in the hospital came and spoke to him about Christ. And I'm sitting in this man's room this past week, and he's weeping. He's weeping. And the social worker says, you know, are you dealing with sadness? And, you know, do you need some medicine to... And he's like, these aren't tears of sadness. These are tears of joy. He's like, I've got this book over there on that couch. And he's like, I've got all the Bible verses that I felt like contradicted each other and said, this is why the Bible isn't true. This is why God isn't who he says he is in the Bible. He's like, now I know that I was wrong. And he's like, I can't believe that God would accept me. What a wonderful thing. And Jesus says that, you know, the one who has sinned much has been forgiven much. We move away from that, I think, if we maybe have grown up in the church or we've been Christians for a long time. We forget the immense work and power that God has done in our lives when we receive the gospel. And we need the gospel every day. There's a quote from Jerry Bridges that I think is... uh, very applicable, and I want to read this. It says, Your worst days are never so bad that you are beyond the reach of God's grace. And your best days are never so good that you are beyond the need of God's grace. So we're never so bad that God's grace can't reach to that place. And we're never so good that we're not in need of God's grace and receiving and believing and loving the gospel and understanding our own sinfulness and the greatness of what Christ has done through the cross and the resurrection gives us a deeper appreciation for our salvation and a motivation for evangelism I think about, you know, a couple hundred feet from here, there were some kids who heard the gospel this week. Let's pray that those seeds that went in would bear much fruit. Maybe they don't understand fully what that means. But that's one example. And maybe you're with your neighbor loving on them so that they would receive and hear the message of the gospel. Or your coworker, or your family member, you're praying for them, you're sharing the good news of the gospel. When we again remember and see the greatness of God's grace through the gospel, it fuels and motivates us to share that, articulate that message to others. So, I want us to think about how we can or how we are sharing and cherishing the gospel. In just a moment, I'm going to pray and I want you to think about what am I doing to to cherish, to love what God has done in my life and how is that motivating me to go out, knowing that God has been glorified in what Jesus has done, primarily, that there's power in the message. As it says in Romans, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation, power. And that it's about salvation and our joy as well. It's all wrapped up. All wrapped up together in the message of the gospel. How are we cherishing that? How are we sharing that? In Matthew 13, there's a couple real short parables that Jesus talks about where someone is out in the field and he finds a treasure and he buries that treasure again. And he goes and sells everything so that he can have that field and buy it and, and have that treasure. And then it talks about someone going out and finding this precious pearl, the most amazing pearl, and giving everything for that one thing. Do we have the same passion? Do we have the same desire and motivation In what we have received and you know what I I don't you know I'm I believe that in a, a group this size that there's folks here maybe who haven't received the precious gift of the gospel of God's grace through Jesus that while we were yet sinners while we are yet sinners maybe still Christ died for us and that as we pray, that maybe you're thinking, man, my God, God is piercing my heart today. He'd like to receive that good gift. And I'll pray, and can pray for that as well. And I'm sure the pastors will be available for anybody who maybe today for the first time has received that or wants to grow deeper in their love for God through that. So let us cherish the good gift that God has given not just through a message that happened 2,000 years ago and isn't relevant for us today but is the most relevant reality of our very existence. that Christ came into a broken world, lived a sinless life, died a cruel death, that all who would receive him would have their sins forgiven and one day be with him and today dwell with him through the presence of his spirit here. Let's cherish and share that. Let's pray. Lord God, we... We come before you now and we do pray, Lord, that you would put upon our hearts, Lord, how we can grow in our love for you, for the greatness of what you've done, that you would put upon our hearts perhaps a a person or a family that doesn't know you. And may we in love share the gospel with them. And Lord, if there is folks here today, Lord, who just say maybe like the man I met this week. There's so many reasons why I don't want to believe. And yet, Lord, today by your spirit you've pierce their hearts. Pray, Lord, that today that they would receive the good news, oh, so good the good news is. May they receive it and be filled with joy today. And it says in the Scriptures, Lord, that angels in heaven rejoice when one sinner turns to you. May there be much rejoicing today, Lord God. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.